This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of All Possibilities is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. What if you were in a room at a mindfulness conference with some of your most successful peers, and you were asked to look into the eyes of the stranger next to you for 60 seconds? Could you do it without feeling uncomfortable? This exact experience is part of what launched Ari Zoldan to want to find a more authentic connection with people. And, despite a modern Orthodox Jewish upbringing, want to actively seek a spiritual awakening. He's the chairman and CEO of Quantum Media Group, whose work has spanned every aspect of the media business, from developing internet business strategies to launching digital products. Coming up, you'll hear this story, and surprisingly, about the benefits of unplugging from technology. Plus, I offer Ari an intuitive reading with images of oceans and mosaic tile, and the realization that looking at the bigger and smaller pictures at the same time can lead you to a very important place, appreciating the micro details. Welcome to the All Possibilities podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Ari, it is such a thrill to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy we're able to make it work. We had a, uh, a hiccup with the snowstorm. Oh, so, yes. Uh, super happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks, thanks. So let's dive right in. You're in media, and what what does spirituality mean to you in that world? Hmm. I don't think I've ever heard the word spirituality in media <laughs> in the Isn't same it sentence. It's it is a right. It totally is, and I'm trying to find a common denominator. Um, but to answer your question, Julie, I think that. Uh, I think media, I mean, I think if you're in the startup space, um, having access to to media and understanding the the landscape of, of marketing adds an enormous amount of value. The problem is, and especially with media, is that there's so much, uh, unfortunately, fluff, and there's a lot of garbage that goes along with that also. So how do you fuse good media versus fluffy bad media? And how do you position yourself in a way that's positive, but more importantly, how do you do it in an authentic way in leveraging the media platform? So how do you do that? It's, it's challenging and it's challenging when, um, I do, I do a bit of television and radio and it's really difficult to, uh, not to exaggerate, not to create additional fluff. And I think, um, cause if you're in the media, right, a lot of the media is driven by ratings and they want you to be energetic and they want you to create a story. So how do you create a story without exaggerating? And unfortunately there's a lot of that stuff and it allows for that. Um, but it, it's hard. It's hard, quite frankly, to be able to find that medium of being true, authentic, but yet also very engaging. So I do, I do struggle with, um, with that, uh, with that juxtaposition. It's interesting because I remember, even in, I, I, I sang for a while in college and a lot of performance was about, let's just exaggerate your emotions. Pretend that this is, you know, 200% of what you would normally do, even a thousand percent. And it, I guess the assumption is that it comes across as normal. Right. So how do you, how do you even balance that for someone? Let's say myself, I'm fairly soft-spoken my energy is probably on the calm side. Right. And and if someone were to say, well, for you to, you know, be in front of media, you have to be a thousand percent. How do you how do you balance that? Sure, sure. I think that at the end of the day, I think people, you know, people appreciate people that are genuine, people that are authentic. And I think that is probably the holy grail. It's the most important thing. Because I think people 
can cut through. And I think people are smart enough to be able to cut through all the garbage. And in the beginning, um, if you can open up that door, even if there is some element of fluff, um, because it's hard to be completely authentic, especially if you're in the media, it's, it's difficult to be able to, to connect with the viewers. If you, if one is bland, then they don't have that much information to be able to portray in a very authentic matter manner. But I think that, um, at the end of the day, like people get it. And if you're full of BS, they're going to see it. So, I really think it's critical for you. It's okay to become, to come out engaging, um, but it's not okay to live with the motto of, and I just heard this recently, don't let the truth come between you and a good story, which is wrong, you know, because once you cross that line, once you start fluffing things or exaggerating or moving away from the truth, once you cross that line, it becomes a lot easier to be able to tell an untruth. And that line becomes what was maybe once a very definitive line from truth to untruth now becomes watered down. And the more you do it, the more you lie, it becomes acceptable. And you do it over and over again. And quite frankly, I, I, um, and I guess this is very, it's a very honest conversation. It's, it's, it's obviously, it's very, very tempting when you're on television, when you're on a major network. And I was asked this question the other day, what happens if you don't know the answer to a question? Well, you have one or two choices. You either make it up, and a lot of people do, which is wrong. It's a whole other conversation. Um, or you try to pivot very, very quickly away from the, the conversation. Um, and I've really learned to, if there's a question that I don't know, um, I won't make it up. Uh, I'll either pivot or I'll say, I don't know. And I found that when I say, I don't know, I feel that I get more respect. I can imagine that. And it's hard to do that on television. You know, when you're on a panel and there's 40 million people looking at you. And you're the expert. And I'm quote unquote the expert. And that's a good thing about marketing, which is a whole other conversation. <laughs> You know, how do I, how do I not answer the question? You know, when they ask me a statistics that I just, I, A, I didn't prepare for, or I simply don't know, or is out of my realm. Um, so you learn in media to, to pivot very, very quickly, which is somewhat, um, I'm learning to become, um, I don't want to be an expert in, but you're able to sort of work the landscape where you still come off intelligent. There's an element of honesty there, uh, but you also change the conversation also. Somewhat like a magician. Mm -hmm. Not as good as a magician, but, you know, sleight of hand. Let's shift gears and talk about your spiritual journey. Bring us back to, to the earliest moment when you realize that there's something there, there's something there. And, and the definition of spirituality may be different for, sure. for everyone. So I'm curious to know what, what was that moment for you? So I grew up uh, orthodox, modern Orthodox in a Jewish family, and I still consider myself modern Orthodox. I completely are, uh, I'm completely challenged and I'm constantly questioning God's existence. Um, so there are questions there that are unanswered for me and that I struggle with. What I'm thirsting for, and, and more recently, and one of the reasons why I felt so connected uh, in meeting Rob, and then, you know, we actually moved away from our business conversation, and she was talk he was talking about you. I was like, no, no, let, let's just talk about you. Like, I want to know about this woman. <laughs> um, I have a, a real thirst for that spiritual journey. I would love to, to take that, um, like, immediately. And, and time is short, and I would like to know what my per why I'm here. I feel like it will give me, it will give me more meaning to life. And it's one of the reasons, quite frankly, why I'm here also. So, um, it's for answers. It's for asking, uh, learning to ask the questions maybe that I, I should be asking. And, um, cause I'm, I guess as I'm getting older, I don't know. So I know that I'm so religious. Um, Maybe I'm more spiritual, though I don't really know what that means, but I would love to have that experience to be able to to connect. Because quite frankly, if, if you know, we're here for 80 years, 90 years at best, and uh, 
at the end of the day where, you know, we just end up gone and forgotten, that would just kind of suck. I mean, that's the bait. That's the, it's like, oh, that sucks. I mean, there's no afterlife. There's nothing after this. Even if you make the most out of it, that would be, um, be kind of depressing, right? It's like reading a book in the last chapter, just everyone just cuts out and dies, you know, and you're sort of left with, oh, that was pretty crummy. What is it like growing up in the Orthodox Jewish community and, and, and asking those questions. So being modern Orthodox mm-hmm. is sort of the the middle of the road mm-hmm. where we education is secular education is absolutely huge. They encourage you to to ask questions. They encourage you to um, to push the limits in terms of um, in terms of where you should be at as well. So it's definitely, it's not pushed down your throat. There's a very big level of acceptance as well um, versus some of the more the uh, right wing or more religious. It's sort of, uh, it has a different feel to it. It's more black and, you know, it's more, yes, this is how it is. Don't question. Questioning is bad. Um, but sort of middle down the road, it, it's all about questioning. It's all about doubt. You know, does God exist? Even though I spent, you know, 20 years in yeshiva and spending my, you know, having my, most of my life there. Um, you know, I question it every day. In fact, I probably less believe than I, I more believe. Um, and I'm really more, I mean, I love being Jewish. I love being culturally Jewish. I love celebrating the Sabbath, um, which for 25 hours, you know, no phone, no internet, no tweeting, snapping, sharing, posting. Um, and it's just time with the family. It's a complete meditative state for 25 hours. You spend time with family, you're eating, you're connecting, and you're disconnecting from, from technology, which for me is incredible. My husband, Rob, and I were actually talking about how that's such a great, great, I don't know what you would call it, but just it's a a ritual it's a routine where you do have that designated time and we were thinking we should we should honor the sabbath in the way um the way that you do too it's amazing it's, it, because why not right I mean, really why not you're you're unplugging you know you're you're not staring at your phone and it doesn't it doesn't have to be on a saturday it could be on a sunday it could be on a wednesday it could be on a friday but i think t- and it doesn't have to be 25 hours you know can you take 3 hours 10 hours 12 hours and then just disconnect let me share a a very quick story i was in um, i was in israel moderating a, a panel um and on the panel was microsoft google LinkedIn, Facebook, all the, all the major social networks. And it was a mindfulness conference of all things. And Facebook gets up and uh, 400 executives, relatively intelligent people. Her name was Michal. And she asked everyone to turn to the person next to them and says, I, I want you to stare at the person for 60 seconds. 200 couples, 400 people. There was not one person in that room that was able to stare at the other person for 60 seconds. And she goes, she gets up there, she goes, look, she's like, we're in the business as Facebook, as Facebook connecting the entire universe. That's what we do. we got a billion people connected and we're infused with technology. Yet we're also so disconnected now because if we can't even look at the other person and not fidget and not feel uncomfortable, there's something wrong. That really, really, that struck me hard. And just looking at the people in the crowd, I wasn't able to look at the person next to me for 60 seconds. I was fidgeting. There were people in the crowd, and um, they they just felt uncomfortable. Like, that's how far we are from human interaction. And um, that was a changing point for me. And I realized I looked at myself. I said, I, I've got to get off my phone. i got to get off social media. It's taking time away from the holiest thing in the world for me, which is my family. I'm like, what am I, crazy? And um, I'm slowly starting, like a drug, I'm slowly starting to to wean off of it. It's a, it's a beautiful story that you share and something that that really resonates because I've, I remember doing that exercise before and 
And it is uncomfortable because society tells us, or at least I grew up in New York City, so you never look at anybody in the eye. Right, right. <laughs> Unless you're going to steal something right, from them exactly. eh? and you're trying to distract them. <laughs> this was this was in the 80s. Right, you right, don't, right. You don't look at people. No, you don't look at people. And and at the same time, when you do look at someone, then you'd start laughing it off. You'd say you you'd fidget, as you, as you mentioned. And once we actually settled in, everyone just started tearing. Like right. everyone was crying. You were connecting on on a really deep soul level, which we we didn't have a a conscious uh, awareness of. It was it was as if we were moved by something else. And the next step beyond that was that we actually started receiving messages, intuitive psychic messages for from people who who had never done that before. They might say, wow, I saw a flash of, you know, you in a meadow with flowers. I have no idea where that came from, but I'm sharing it with you in case it does mean anything. And so that was one of the first experiences where I saw, wow, if you if you just stare into someone's eyes as the, the windows into their soul, whether you have had any intuitive experiences in the past before, it just comes. Mm -hmm. and And that was the moment where I thought, wow. I never look at people in the eye. Right. Still now, it's, it's the most intimate. <laughs> We're in New York, <laughs> right, right, right. No, of course, I'm not going to hurt you. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't worry. But it's the most intimate experience. It's the most intimate, non-physical. Probably, you could group it together, you know, with, with physical also. But it's the most um, intimate experience that somebody can have is just staring them at the eye in the eye. Yet so simple, but yet very complex and awkward only if we make it such. That's true. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. The superior audio quality on Mouth Media Network is powered by Sennheiser. And as a listener, you can receive a 25% discount on virtually any headphone, microphone, and other high-quality audio product available to purchase directly on the Sennheiser website. Just visit Sennheiser.com and enter the code MOUTHMEDIASEN, that's MOUTHMEDIA, S-E-N-N, at checkout. Ari, can you tell us about what your own rituals are to ground yourself? What is it that you do? Since media is a fast-paced world, you have to prep yourself, maybe psych yourself up. Um, what are some practices that you found worked for you? So I never had any. Quite frankly, uh, I've never really stopped. I never had a moment to myself to um, to do any of those exercises up until recently. And there are a couple of things that I, I started doing. Um, exercising, for one, was has been very, very mentally calming for me. Um, and I'm something that I'm enjoying. I, I don't really have, an, and I was asked this question the other day, Somebody said to me, well, Ari, what are your hobbies? And I don't have any hobbies. And I thought that that was a serious problem. How can I not have any hobbies? Um, I don't. I, I mean, I guess I enjoy working. I enjoy meeting people. But I don't really have my time. And I don't have time that, um, that I do something. And, and I felt that that was a very, very big problem. So... Um, I started trying different things and I enjoy, I realize I enjoy spending one hour a day on the treadmill and, um, I start and I realize after each workout, I start crying and I started Googling, you know, crying. No, while, uh, after working out and the searches, this came up crying. So I knew I wasn't the only person, you know, Googling Google that knows term. a lot about out about what we do. <laughs> I'm telling you, right. So someone else typed in that search crying and working out and I realized the the you know the endorphins and coupled with listening to music could start, you know, bringing out feelings and um so that's been helpful when I'm on the treadmill I get a physical workout and I also get an emotional get to cry a lot and 
I'm exhausted both physically and emotionally when I'm done. Um, but I'm still, you know, to answer your question, I, I, what do I do? I mean, the Sabbath, the 25 hours is the ability for me to be able to decompress, but I'm, I'm still looking for things that I enjoy. Um, I haven't really found that yet. How about when you were a kid? What would you do for fun? Um, I was, I was horrible at sports and I tried, you know, cause it was a way of connecting with people. I mean, that was a disaster. Um, I was just telling my wife that my very, very close friend was the hockey coach and I always wanted to be on the hockey team. So I thought this was like a slam dunk. My friend would, he was a little bit older, would get me on the hockey team and I practiced and he calls him aside. He's like, all right. He's like, I love you. We're close friends. He's like, I just can't do it. <laughs> he goes professionally. You're not going on the team. I was like, just the bench. He goes, no. I said, how about the jacket? I just want a hockey jacket, you know? And he goes, no. I was like, oh, come on. Um, so never, never connected. Um, so I, I, quite frankly, I think socially, I, I enjoy people. I feed off their energy. Um, so small, intimate settings with people, conversations, uh, I really enjoy that. I feel like I, I feed off of that. Uh, I'm not sure. I guess without judging myself, I'm not necessarily sure that that's necessarily a hobby or an opportunity or a space for me to be able to decompress. But it's something that I that I enjoy. Movies. I like going to the movies myself, actually, because my wife, me and my wife never agree on the right movies. So I said, I'm going myself. It's fine. It's a little awkward, but I'm totally okay with it. Um and then I enjoy spending time with my kids, but that's challenging also because I, part of my brain is thinking about work. The other part of my brain is thinking about spending time with the kids. So I need to completely decompress and separate from work to be able to be fully engaged with my kids. But it's a journey. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for ideas. So if you have any ideas, I'm, <laughs> I'm game. You had mentioned mindfulness at, at the, the conference that you attended. Is that something that you've looked into or want yes. to explore yes i the side of my bed has like at least 150 books you know and i've only gone through two pages of each book you know <laughs> oh my goodness. maybe it's the add in me but um there's definitely there's um when i when i look at that i, I say wait you know even though i haven't gone through the books there's a uh, definitely a thirst for that knowledge there's a thirst there's a yearning i guess that I'm missing. So I am fascinated. I'm reading up a lot about near-death experience and authors like Brian Weiss and Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and um, Eckhart Tolle. So I'm, I'm, I want to have that experience. How's that? You know, outside of a textbook perspective, I would love to experience a spiritual awakening. That for me would just be incredible. Would you say that you have not experienced an awakening yet? Never. And you are seeking that? Never. How does that feel? I'd be so excited. What would be your ideal spiritual experience? Um, I would... I'd love to know if there's stuff um, beyond this three-dimensional world that we live in. If there is an afterlife, if there is a higher power, um, if there's stuff behind that, if there's stuff behind after we we go on, and also I guess what the like, why are we here? And maybe we're we're here just because you know evolution, survival of the fittest, the Big Bang theory it was an accident. We're here, we live, we die, and um, and that's it. And I, I I'm leaning towards that, although I'm hoping I'm hoping there's more. Well, first, I would recommend the spoon bending. I think I talk about that probably most often on this podcast, but it is one of the most amazing experiences to see that you can have, that, that there is such thing as mind over matter. Tell me about that. So, so there are... Uh, at least two other episodes on the podcast where I talk about my spoon bending experience. The The short story is that we were in a class, most of it was about quantum physics and how everything exists in possibility, actually. Um, and there are physics experiments that show that when, when there is not an observer in the room, these 
uh, atomic particles operate as a wave, meaning they, they can exist anywhere at any time. And so, so people are able to actually map that out. And when there is an observer in the room, meaning a human being sitting there, these particles act as particles, meaning it's, it becomes matter. There is only, you know, one defined area where it can be. And, and so most of the class was about physics. The second part of the class was about, okay, you have a spoon in front of you. Let's make, set the intention to actually bend the spoon with the idea that in the present moment, when you have that intention, it's sort of a like an ask and you shall receive. This the spoon is already capable of bending. It's just that we stand in our own way because we're so attached to seeing this bend. We're like, oh my God, why isn't it bending? And because we're so attached to the outcome, it it just doesn't happen. So most of the class ended up being about distracting ourselves from this this ego attachment to wanting something to look like you know how we you know want to control what it looks like we want it to bend in this way or we want to want it to bend at all and what i found was when for me when there's humor involved when i'm when i find that i'm able to help someone in in when i'm sharing with somebody let's say the person next to me i start talking about my life and and for some reason something i said sparked an insight in her mind and she she just uh, i could feel her energy just blossom i felt empowered cuz i was actually connected with someone and so i was able to bend the spoon i mean like mind you you know my wrists are rather thin and and there's no in my mind no physical way i could have bent the spoon myself if not for some other thing going on let's say it's spirituality let's say it's a um physics whatever you want to call it it's definitely out it was outside of my knowledge of what's possible and when i bent the spoon it's that moment when you feel it's malleable and you're like this cannot be true i mean this is a metal spoon which you think is solid that is um unchangeable and so you just go for it you just you know do whatever you can with the spoon and i have uh, i actually have one one fork actually in my apartment that is just a ball it's just all rolled up because i just went for it and to me it's a reminder that that what we think is possible let's even go beyond that because we're always we're always in a box when we think of possibilities because you know we don't think it'll happen or the timeline might not be right or we need a lot of money or whatever it is but the this exercise for me showed me and i think as human beings we just need kind of evidence like rational evidence to show that there is something beyond maybe it's god maybe it's something else but there is there is a connection between our intention our emotion and our connection with people with humans that that led to this amazing experience hmm. Was that a turning point for you? It was a huge turning point because I had I had a had known about the law of attraction. Are you familiar with the, the the notion that your thoughts and feelings create your reality? And and this and I had experimented with it. You know, things I actually manifested my ideal job because of it. Um, what I did was actually wrote a list down of everything I did not like about my. <laughs> current job, whatever that was. And then based on that, looked at the opposite, you know, what it is that I love in an ideal job. And then in my present moment, I would just daydream about it. I would daydream about, you know, actually being in that situation as if, if as if I already had it. And that's where daydreaming I find is so powerful because it's, it's your intuition speaking. And and so I would, you know, I would daydream that I had a boss who, um, who, who could see the potential in me that I couldn't see for myself. And what I would daydream is, you know, this boss, whoever the person was, would say, Julie, I think you should do this. And, and I would actually feel a little bit of fear. I'm like, really? You want me to do this? I'm like, yeah, I believe in you. Go for it. 
and then it was connecting with that feeling and it turned out later on actually I, I got a job that matched every single thing that I had put on my list and that moment was when when he had said Julie I want you to take my place to be interviewed on NPR I can't make the interview and I said no way <laughs> I'm not prepared for this no you're fine go for it and so uh, for completely unrepaired, I think I was on the Brian Lair show, <laughs> completely unrepaired. And, and that was the moment where I was like, oh, my God, that was what I had wanted to manifest years ago. Amazing. So I think it's, it, it's all possible when we have intention, when we have this elevated emotion of whether it's joy love gratitude something that just where we feel moved just by thinking about it and and the fact that you know ask and you shall receive it, it really does work it's mm. amazing greetings mouth media network listener my name is Davin Riley, and I'm willing to bet you like music. And even if my assumption is wrong, I still think you should come and check out our show, The Music Lover Podcast, where we sit down with entrepreneurs, pioneers, artists, and the unsung heroes of the music industry. Together, we'll uncover the insider perspectives on some of your favorite companies and artists as we analyze music business trends through a technological lens. Find us at The Music Lover Podcast, but remember... That's Music Lover Without the Vowels. M-S-C-L-V-R. Yes, we're that cool. And since you're cool too, we should be friends. The Music Lover Podcast. We'll see you there. to share an intuitive reading that I did for you and I'll give you a little preface of how I do it and what it means so when I do these readings I go into my own Akashic records imagine it's it's a library of information of every soul um, thoughts feelings emotions things that we all want to share with the world. Every single person has a record in this etheric realm. It's almost like um, TV and radio waves exist in this frequency. You can't see it, but when you're an antenna, you can receive that information. And all of us as human beings are antennas, and we can all receive information from the Akashic records. You, you know, you can learn how to um, do your own readings too. Um, I, I had taught my husband how to. He doesn't like doing the reading, so he'll just tell me. It's like, Julie, can you do a reading on this for me? So, you know, it comes, you know, naturally to some people and it may not for others. But I like to say that everyone has access to this information. And what I do is I set an intention to connect to you. So I'll had, I had your name and email address. And what I ask is what is the highest guidance for you at this time? So technically, I can ask any question um, for my clients, my private clients, I would ask, what is your life purpose? Like, what is your purpose in this life? And for the sake of time, I ask, what is the highest guidance for you? And what comes out usually can help you connect you to who you are as a soul and can help you move forward in a way that you want to move forward, whether or not you consciously know where you're trying to go. So I do all these readings beforehand, so it is in my phone, so let me just pull it up. And I use Claire Audience, which is my strongest sense, and I can hear thought impressions. And I'm fully conscious at my laptop typing. So these words will just come through me. It's, it's not me speaking in, in my Julie speak. It's definitely uh, something much higher than me in, in the spiritual realm. And then every so often I might hear, okay, it's time for an image. So I'll close my eyes and I'll see almost like streaming video. I might, it's, it's like watching a movie in my mind. 
and I might feel emotion, I might know things, and then I'm back to typing. And this is all sort of being dictated to me. And I, I see myself as, as the scribe, I'm literally just typing things. Um, I used to joke that my sixth grade teacher taught us all how to touch type. Mm. And he said, you will thank me for this skill <laughs> when you can you know, type without actually looking at the keyboard. And, and now I look back and I'm thinking, wow, you know, mm -hmm. these thought impressions come in so quickly that, that I do have to touch type in this way. Came in handy, huh? Mm, yes, it did. <laughs> so, um, so what will happen is I'll read this verbatim to you and allow yourself to follow the imagery. A lot of this is in metaphor and images. So follow the imagery, allow your your mind, your heart, your body to feel it, feel the words. And you might find that your mind will just come up with thoughts, maybe a memory or story or something that happened, whatever bubbles up for you. Uh, they just keep that in the back of your mind because afterwards I'll ask you, how does this resonate, if at all? And what does it bring up for you? So those memories, stories, uh, ideas, thoughts, feelings, and just see this as a jumping off point for discussion. Okay. And two more things. One is that everything is written in third person. So it refers to you as Ari as he, him, those pronouns. And every so often there are words that are in all caps. So that means they're capitalized, they're just more important, and uh, my visual signal is I'll hold my fingers up like this to say that the, as I'm speaking these words, these words are in all caps. And my, uh, my signal for, for uh, you, our listener, is I'll just say all caps after that particular word. And we'll just keep going until we reach the end of the reading. Looking forward. Okay. So for you, I asked... What is the highest guidance for him at this time? It is like seeing the ocean waves, seeing its movement, its colors, its aquas, blues, and greens, its undulating waves, and yet seeing it as an art form like seeing a depiction of the ocean in a mural on the wall or made out of mosaic tile, each piece representing one glint of a wave, one small part. And when seen from far away, you can feel all caps, its movement and feel all caps. It's wholeness, all caps. This is what it's like for him. He is able to sense this movement and understand things on a larger picture and also, all caps, see the small elements, the tiny tiles, the little dots that make up an impressionist painting. It is this ability to see the big and, all caps, the small, that is a strength, and also where he gets tripped up. When he identifies too much, all caps, with one scale, perhaps seeing one scale as more important, or seeing one particular detail or one particular type of wave motion as better, all caps, than the other. He then takes himself outside of the picture. He is no longer appreciating the ocean and its artistry, no matter the medium that he sees it in. He is then focused on other things smaller things that he knows, all caps, he can transcend. 
And so the image that I received is a continuation of this metaphor. It says, you saw the ocean in front of you. It felt real, like you were there, feeling the power of the waves, hearing the sounds of the rushing water. Juxtaposed with that image was the ocean depicted as a tile mural. Each piece represented a different color. One wave was composed of hundreds of tiny flecks of green, blue, black, and white. He was able to appreciate the beauty, power, and movement of the ocean as if, all caps, it were real and also was able to appreciate each individual tile of the mural. He traced his hands along the tiles, feeling the bumps and edges, and came upon a small dark blemish, like a stray dark mark that didn't belong. The point here is to ignore the blemish. It is not important in the grand scheme of things. And then the action step that I received, and this is something that you can play with, explore in the present moment. It says to reflect on when he sees and appreciates the big and small picture. When is he out of balance? When does he prioritize one over the other? Notice when he may place too much attention on the blemish, when really it doesn't matter. The ocean, its beauty, its power, and the visceral experience, all caps, is what matters. And that's the end of the reading. So I love to hear how this resonates, if at all, and what it brings up for you. Thoughts, memories, feelings, ideas, whatever bubbles up for you. Mm. First of all, thank you. That was very... Um... It's actually very relaxing also, um, physically too. Um, I'm curious, I'm thinking about that, um, that blemish that you said that I should less focus on that. So I'm going to think about that exactly what that is. The, the fact that I see the bigger and the, I guess, smaller picture or the more the minutia and see the bigger picture. I think I see more the, the bigger picture as I'm not so much a nuts and bolts kind of person. Um, but that's interesting. Obviously the ocean is something that I feel very connected to water. I feel very connected to. Um, it's interesting. I have a lot to, to think about and to digest, but it was definitely the listening to your voice and listening to the words in a very poetic fashion was um, was very calming in itself. Beautiful. Let's unpack it a little more. So it talked about it talked about the real thing, the ocean, and then the art form. And when I felt it, it felt like they blended in with one another. You can have the real experience and you can have the art form. This, this, the example being a tile mural where it's definitely not the ocean, right? Mm -hmm. But you, there's so much in it that still can convey that experience. What does that bring up for you? I don't know. Nothing at the moment comes to mind. Um, trying to put it in, I guess, a three-dimensional context or examples that I've experienced, examples that I've lived through, um, and trying to find a, a parallel. Nothing at the moment comes up, but definitely something that I'm going to look at a little bit deeper, mm -hmm. as I have a lot of like thoughts and and feelings right now. So... Mm -hmm. something to think about after I download it. Mm. Can you give us a sense of what kinds of thoughts and feelings you have? Right now? 
Sure. I like the, um, I mean, I definitely resonated with the bigger picture. I think I'm a, a bigger picture kind of person. Um, I think my talent lies in there, sort of chess, although I'm not a great chess player, but um pretty good at seeing, I think, five, six, seven steps ahead and how things can potentially roll out for better or for worse. Um, I love the ability to be able to focus on that more in my life than worry about some of the details because I'm not a, I'm not a micro person. It's really my strengths lie in, in the macro. Um, yeah, definitely very insightful. Hmm. What I'd recommend when you reflect on it is that the, for me, the tile mosaic is a macro. Like you have to step back in order to see what you're trying to depict. If you're only looking at the details, it's not going to tell you anything. But to me, it felt like there was this deep, deep appreciation for all the little details that do make up the macro and that there's this ability to to see them both at the same time and to it felt like this very spiritual, um, very image-based, like color, movement, the flex of light, all of these details that when you notice them, it connects you to a deeper side of you. It's almost like the micro, the micro is part of you. Even if you think, oh, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a macro person. I don't want to worry about the details. But the micro right. is important. And it feels like there's this deep reverence and appreciation for them. And knowing that all of these details, these little flecks of light, these colors, these little tiles, they all make up the bigger picture. And it, it, to me, it felt like explore that a little bit. Because sure. it's almost like when you settle your energy into into the details you you will you will see even more of the mm. bigger picture if that makes any sense makes sense is there um in terms of stuff that i should be did you get anything in terms of opportunities or areas that i should be looking at focused on aware danger spots anything in that i um, think with usually how these readings go is this the this is the one important thing that comes up that we can try to take action in all the other things because we think linearly like if i if i take this opportunity um x it will then lead to y which will then lead to z and lead to happiness but in in the the spiritual realm it doesn't work linearly in that way and so usually these readings will go into what is the state of being that will allow me to then be on the level of amazing opportunities. And the state of being, I see it as the the way to crack open the door so that you can go down that path. So for me, it felt like appreciating what is in front of you, what is real, and also appreciating the art form art form you can explore it whether it's in how you communicate whether it's in images i felt like noticing um visual things were very important and so maybe for you it's explore what it is like to get back into um i don't know maybe going to a museum or under like or or visit a place that has all this cultural significance where where it is about color, where it is about movement and about kind of impressionism or, or being able to stand back and see something beautiful like a Monet and still being able to see up close and see, wow, like this one speck, if it weren't here, it would have changed the entire painting. So explore, maybe it's art. I think it comes, um, usually people, when they hear these readings, they'll take some time to explore. Sure. And, you know, it's not uncommon for me to get an email six months from now and be like, oh, my God, like this makes so much sense now. Mm. And but for me, it felt like art forms. It felt like 
understanding and appreciating the micro and the blemish i think it's something for you to explore too it felt like it felt like every time your mind does go to a part where you might focus too much on just bring yourself back it's almost like let me zoom out and let's see the big mural again the only word that comes to mind is cool <laughs> that was super cool and um totally appreciative of your time and lots to think about i have a feeling it's going to hit me like a brick in like six months exactly what you said and i'm gonna run to the computer and be like hey you know <laughs> it reminded me of uh, another reading i had done for someone it was about um it, it was an image that i saw and it turned out that this was something that they'd seen in barcelona hmm. wow like like that kind of to like i've i've been to barcelona so it has that kind of um, kind of mosaic tile feel to it, sure. like lots of color, lots of beauty. So, so there could be some reference there, but I'm I'm just thinking it could be anything. Right. No, I appreciate that. So, um, stuff for me to flag or take notice is going to be the the blemish, the macro, micro, and probably something wrapped or in some sort of art related visual experience or window. Yeah. Keep that in the back of your mind as you live day to day. I would, with this type of reading, I would, I would even, you know, seek out those experiences, hmm. seek out, you know, have, when's the last time you went and appreciated art? Years. Years. When's the last time you went to a museum that moved you, where you saw a piece that moved you? Years. Do you even remember when the last time mm -hmm. you... Can you remember when, what, what happened? Yeah. Um, I think the last museum I went to was the Frick Museum on the east side. Um, for me, I, I love the fact that it was the museum itself physically was small it was manageable you could see the whole thing in you know an hour or two versus the matter of the moment or something much larger um so i like that small intimate cozy experience but in terms of the actual paintings i don't remember i recall the gardens and but short of that i don't really remember anything else mm -hmm. yeah explore that side of you it's mm -hmm. like it's like when you mentioned that you would run on the treadmill mm -hmm. and somehow you got emotional and you didn't know why. See art form and being I think if you're if you can be as immersed in all the visual details as the way this reading kind of represented. I mean we don't typically on a day-to-day -day basis think along these details but when you're extremely mindful you will be able to see the glint of each color of each tile and see how it forms the whole picture and when you are in that level of mindfulness you're you're connected to who you are powerful stuff thank you that was uh, lots, lots to think about. Yeah, well, keep keep us all posted. We I will hear what happens. I will. Do that it with was art, amazing. Do it with nature. Do it with you know when you leave this room and you're outside in New York City and the fogginess. Right. See if you can get to that level of detail of what you see. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. It's quite amazing. This experience was really, really cool, and very physically relaxing as well, which I wasn't expecting. So, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. And good luck with the baby. Thank you. It's going to be exciting. Babies. <laughs> Baby's been a, another spiritual journey on its own. I'm sure. At this point, I'd love to have you offer a few words of wisdom to our listeners. What would, what would you want them to take away? Uh, 
I think the the thing that I'm going to be working on, the thing that I've I've studied, I've looked at, was we really live in such a fast paced, crazy world, especially if you're living in New York City, um, and having the ability to what we had spoken about, uh, unplug or disconnect does so many things both physically and mentally for you. And for the one thing, I think if you're an entrepreneur, you're a self-starter, you're building a company, you're so immersed in it, you know, work never ends. You're working 20 hours a a week, uh, a day, sorry, a week. You wouldn't get anywhere if it was 20 hours (laughs) a week. And it's like, it's like that painting. And if you look too close up at it, you don't see a thing. It's only really until you step back that you're able to appreciate the beauty of it. I would say disconnecting, unplugging, getting away from work as much as possible gives you the ability to really see things differently, to appreciate things. But most importantly, I think, is also to recharge. So when you do get back into it, I think you're calmer and you're more balanced. And I'd say also to infuse a mindfulness in every day where, where I, I feel like we're, we're so focused on building our product or service if you're an entrepreneur. But I think being a mindful entrepreneur and sharing experiences and not holding trade secrets back or not focused on competing, focus on collaborating. I think that's something that's really going to um, to move the needle. And there's something in Hebrew called tikkun olam, which is bettering the world. And I think if, you know, there is a purpose, or I hope one of the purposes would be is to be able to make the world better. And I think the one of the elements of that is really about cooperation, collaborating, and not really fighting or beating up or competing with the other person because it's um it's a rough world out there, especially if you're an entrepreneur and your chances of success out of the gate is stacked against you. So how do you increase your chances of success? And the way to do that is to reach out to people, partners that you trust, people that are more about giving than taking. And it's hard to find that, but I think when you do link up to them, link up to them, I think that will put you in a position of success. And the other thing I, I guess I'd like to leave um, leave your listeners with is we talk, a lot of people, entrepreneurs talk about startups and exiting for you know, tens of millions of dollars. And I have to say, I feel that I am extremely, extremely successful. And it has nothing to do, it has nothing, nothing is tied to anything monetary. I think I'm very successful because it's how I define the word success. And we all define success differently. Most of us, I think, define success based on monetary value, how much is in the bank. For me, and I share this with my wife all the time, if I could pay the bills every month, because most people can't make it, you know, if I cover my bills every month and my kids are healthy and I cover their tuition and I spend time with my wife, I mean, that's the definition for me of success. A lot to think about and very when very wonderful advice especially in uh, as we start a new year and everyone's thinking about okay well how can this year be be different or better so thank you of course thanks for being here and lots of fun how- how can our listeners get in touch with you or learn more about your work? Sure. Um, you can go to my website. It's arizoldan.com, A-R-I-Z-O-L-D-A-N.com. So my cell phone number, here we go. I'm going to get 
slammed with uh, people from Nigeria offering to transfer <laughs> money into my account as long as I give them my social security number. It's 917-680-8765. Um, call me or text me. Again, it's 917-680-8765. I won't be one of those, you know, movies I go, you know, 1-800-555, you know. Uh, it is a real number. Feel free to text me. I'm, I'd be love, I love the opportunity to meet some really, really good people. Thank you. It's very generous of you. My pleasure. And thank you for your time. You're welcome. And for you, hmm, what's your homework for this week? Let's let's think about what your connection is to the reading that we just shared. And think about how you see the big picture, the small picture. Know that both are important. And notice when you start looking at the blemish as well. Mm. Get in tune with that level of mindfulness that the reading provides. I think I will take that as my homework too, to be able to notice these details and not just let life live us. Mm. Thank you. That was amazing. You're welcome. That was amazing. You're welcome. And until next time, be on the lookout for all possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.